Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio on with the show. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast. I'd like to start by acknowledging that I am recording on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to Elders past, present and future. I also acknowledge and respect the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practice of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. And I extend that respect to any First Nations people we might have here with us today. Being on a board can be an incredibly valuable, interesting and exciting experience. Yet it can also be lonely, challenging and, let's face it, pretty hard. So here at Take On Board, I'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you navigate your way onto a board, onto your next board and to build your governance wisdom. Now, on with the show. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Hilla Bank-Jorgensen about her new book, Stewards of the Future, A Guide for Competent Boards. First, let me tell you about Hilla. Hilla is the CEO and Chair of Competent Boards and a board member of the Danish-Canadian Chamber of Commerce. She has a long list of previous boards, including Chair of the Canadian Chapter of the UN Global Compact, Finance and Audit Committee for the International Institute for Democracy and Electoral Assistance, and the Board of the European Policy Centre. Hella is an internationally recognised expert on sustainable business practices, with a 30-year record of turning environmental, social and governance risks into innovative and profitable business opportunities. In 2021, she was chosen by the World Economic Forum as an expert for corporate governance, leadership and emerging multinationals. And, as I mentioned in the introduction, Hella is the author of the newly published book, Stewards of the Future, A Guide for Competent Boards. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Hella. Thank you so much, Helga. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. It is fantastic to be here. Uh, we've already had a half-hour conversation about Denmark and about name pronunciation and all sorts of stuff. It's still lovely to talk to somebody we're definitely sharing part of the the last part of our last names are the same and it's a good way to see if you're somehow connected to Denmark. You must get this all the time as well. It's like, oh, are you Swedish? No, Danish, S-A-N-S-O-N are the Swedes. As soon as I got the email back uh, from your assistant, how I would also like to know if you're Danish. It's like, well, yes, I am, but you can tell from my accent that that's quite a long way back. <laughs> now... In some ways, that conversation is digging about your background. And as always, before we talk about ESG and competent boards and stewards of the future, I always like to dig a little bit deeper about my guest. And this might 
reveal some of that as well. So can you tell me a story about young Hella that tells us a bit about how you got to where you are today? Well, that's, that's an interesting question. Uh, and well, when while we're now talking about Denmark, yes, so born in Odense, which is the same city as Hans Christian Andersen, the fairy tale um, storyteller was uh, born. I'm afraid my storytelling is not as good as his. I'm just warning everyone. But I do think I was very curious and probably very serious from time to time and also wanted to have fun. But I was, well, I am the only child. Um, so I, I guess I got to ask a lot of questions. Been trying to, I guess, my whole life to see not only okay hear the facts but also question the why is that and how can we do things better and trying to see the opportunities and I guess that that's how I got into all of this in terms of what we now call ESG but we call mm. environment and health and safety and responsibility and sustainability when I was I'm a business lawyer by training. I was studying to become a, an accountant. And I read a newspaper article by a professor from the Danish Technical University. And I was clearly not at the Technical University. And frankly, that was not what I was good at when I went to school. All of those chemical, that was not my, my favorite. But I found it so fascinating. He was writing about life cycle analysis. And if we could have a life cycle analysis, then we could start saving water, we could start saving you know, on, on waste, not having the waste, energy, et cetera. So I was at that point, you know, about to do my master's degree. I picked up the phone and I called this professor that was interviewed and say, no, I have six months to do my master's degree. Can you use someone like me? And I would like to see if there was a way we could put the externalities and can we price the externalities, these life cycle analysis. And lo and behold, he said, yes, so why don't you come to Copenhagen? And Helga, you, you, you know Denmark a little bit. It's not the largest country in the world, but I basically took the train from Odense to Copenhagen, got lost but ended, ended up and uh, then he said, yes, I can indeed be there. And he sent me to the Danish steelwork where I did the world's first green account. So um, I, can, uh, I can thank him and that journalist that wrote that article for basically my whole career. I, I guess that's a little bit of a story. <laughs> well, there's a couple of things in there. Firstly, I think you can tell stories quite fine. Thanks very much. You, you Clearly the town where you're from, you and Hans Christian Andersen, storytellers. But the other things I love in there, I love that you just picked up the phone. I've seen this. I think I can help. And not only did you say, I think I can help or I think I can make a contribution, the professor said, sure, come and play with us. How fantastic. I don't know how, but I, I think I did the same when I came to PW, Pricewaterhouse at that point, uh, went in to a partner and said, we should start to work on how to report on environmental issues. Again, at that point, it was mostly environmental issues. We should audit this. And for some reason, he gave me 50% of my time 
to actually build the practice while the other 50% I promised that I wanted and I should study to become uh, what we in Denmark call state authorized public accountant, which is, you know, CPA. Yeah, I, I was probably a little bit different than most of them. And I asked a lot of questions also at that point. That's what we have to do, right? And I think that's what also board members, it's kind of, we, we need to ask those questions, turn to stones. Well, let's go there next. Although, side note, that was the other thing I heard in there. Parents, all of you parents that have got kids that are constantly saying, well, why does this happen like this? And why, why, why? Just file that away, parents, because maybe in 20, 30 years' time, that child, very curious child of yours is going to make a fantastic board member. <laughs> um, and maybe before, right? Because I think we need to actually start listening more to uh, the young voices and not necessarily perhaps take them around the boardroom table and say, you have a fiduciary duty, but definitely listening. Yes. Well, see, we're into it already. So you've just published a new book for boards, or maybe not just for boards, around being competent stewards of the future. What do boards need to know and what do they need to think about to be those competent stewards of the future? I wrote the book based on our ESG and Climate Composite Boards Certificate and Designation programs. What I do in my daily work is educating board of directors, executives, investors, asset managers to understand what I call the ABC of ESG and climate. And I started, you kindly mentioned that I worked 30 years in, in this, and I just said that the first green account, I also did the first integrated report in the world. And I've had this fantastic opportunity to work with so many world-renowned leaders. And one of the things I saw over and over was that if the board of directors were not on board, did not understand sustainability, did not have that mindset of what it was that we need to look at to be profitable as companies, to have the innovation. Well, then it's just a pet project. So I started to say, how do we ensure that we have that insight and foresight around the boardroom table to make informed decisions when it comes to environment, social governance issues? Have 150, over 150 now global leaders, leaders, board members, executives, investors, experts from all over the world who are now contributing to our programs. So what I did with the book was to say, okay, you know, I want to please, please, please come, come and get trained and educated. But probably there will be a lot of people that need that. I think they need that mindset, but not necessarily coming and going through the programs but if I can put it into a book then hopefully I can give more people that insight so yes you know stewards of the future a guide for competent boards it's not only environment social governance in its smallest it's you know climate it's also anti-corruption it's a responsible use of data and cybersecurity. It's the sustainable development goals. It's human rights, you know, supply chain issues. It's how we talk to our stakeholders, our shareholders. And, and also what does the future of good corporate governance look like? 
how do we deal with all of those dilemmas that we are faced with every single day? And I tell you, we, we kicked off this competent boards movement in Davos uh, during the World Economic Forum back in 2019. That's not that long ago. At that point, there were very few that agreed with me that we should have board of directors that knew about ESG. I mean, there was Paul Pullman, who was at that point the, the CEO of Unilever, it's Michael Tresco, who was at that point the, the chair of Unilever, Jim Hagemann-Snabe, who was the uh, chair of Maersk and Siemens, some investors. I mean, fantastic people, but a very small group. Most were saying, that's not something that board of directors should, should care about. That's the CEO's job. Stewards of the future, it's because I believe that we as board members, we are the ones who should look out a little bit further. We are the ones who can see what is it that's coming at the company. We are the ones who need to ask the questions. Are we prepared for that future? But also our stakeholders, what do they expect from us? And are we able to in the future answer to, to what they are demanding from us? That was a long, long no. answer. <laughs> no, there's so many things in there I want to explore. So I'm going to come to maybe some of the, the principles that you talked about in a moment, like stakeholders and, and um, you know, incorporating human rights and climate and supply chain and so on. But before I do that, because you mentioned, I think it was the chair and the CEO of Unilever were on board early, on board, no pun intended. Um can you tell me the Unilever story in that regard? Because I'm wondering what it was with them that had them on board so early in this when nobody else was really talking about it. Because it feels like now people are all talking about ESG only a couple of years later. But they had the foresight to get on board early. I, I can tell you the story I, I like to tell. Um, but Paul Pullman came with a lot of views and ideas values but the fun story is that this was during the the cop in in Copenhagen and I was uh, placed at a at a table uh, with this new CEO for Unilever I actually audited and I actually helped Unilever in Denmark in terms of their sustainability reports and let's just be honest I had a little list of things that I thought would be fantastic if a company like Unilever would do so I started on my list and I, I don't know I, I should probably have known that this was not the, the local CEO but the global CEO but nevertheless you know I hope that he took a, one or two of things of, of, from my list but no that was the values it was a mindset it was the strategy and that strategy is where we also need to have the board to say, when is it that we are pressing the speeder? When is it that we're pressing the brake? But you need to have, to, again, the board on board uh, with that strategy. And I think we have for a long time been saying, oh, yeah, the management is coming with the strategy and we are nodding and then let's go to dinner. Mm. That's not the role that I see. I, I think we need, as board of directors, to ask questions, to say, have we thought about this? Have we done this? What, what are we going to do in this? When can we press the speeder? When, can we, when should we press uh, the, the brake? So be more engaged. I'm not mm -hmm. saying, you know, it's still 
fingers out, nose in, right? Um, but we need to we need to ask those questions, and we need to have that. And I think Paul Pullman did a tremendous job in in creating that culture. Very quickly, he went out and and said, you know, why do quarterly reporting? Um, no one are making you know, a return on investment in three months. If you go out and do some innovation, I mean that's that's not going to turn in well. If if it if it is, then call me. I'm 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 investing. <laughs> but but yeah. so I think it it's about being bold and have that courage, but also being able to communicate that to the market. Mm-hmm. And that's where I mean you. Let's not name, but you have seen others doing fantastic job, perhaps, but not really been able to communicate it both to the board of directors and to the market and then it's then it's not working right yeah and it's interesting in there so you happen to sit next to him at the dinner it was Paul wasn't it that's this global CEO yep yep you happen to sit next to him at the dinner you happen to have something to say about it you say it you sound to me much like that phone call you made to the professor many years before you are a never miss an opportunity person which I love it is one of my guiding principles never miss an opportunity but what's really interesting in there is that Paul listened and you mentioned that much earlier about listening and you talked about listening to young voices but listening generally to voices and presumably in that conversation you had a bit of a different perspective to what he had but he still listened. That is such an interesting point you're bringing up. Michael Tresco who was the the chair of the board that i then also got the chance of meeting and ever had many good conversations. And then he was actually the person that said, okay, then you go and, and put competent boards in place and, and here are my advice for it. One of the things that Michael Trusk and I have had discussions about was this long-term, short-term, where he said at some point, well, you know, long-term is to make the right decisions in the short-term, but also to listen and make sure that every single person around that boardroom table don't have a question that goes unanswered. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to you have the role of the CEO, but you also definitely have the role of the chair, where we, we need to have the time to discuss those strategic issues, where we probably have been very focused on which Hey, as an accountant, as a lawyer, I would say compliance is important, definitely. But I think we really need to have that focus on what's not only the purpose of the business, but also what's the purpose of the board? Why are we here? What's our job? What do we want to leave after this? And have that conversation is very important. And I I see it, I mean, in, in the book I've put some questions and and a little assessment tool in into the book because often we talk and we think that we are saying the same but we are not necessarily really understanding the same and and the assessment tool i put put in will kind of like show are we aligned and when we are aligned we can start figuring out are we happy are we mm-hmm. satisfied with where we are or do we want to transform to something else are we aligned? I like it. Are we aligned? And if not, what are we transforming to? I'm wondering, I, I, I don't want to steal your thunder from the book, but can you share with us some of those assessment questions that boards can think about? Yeah, for all chapters, there are 10 oh. questions. 
Um, so, so I can see here from the first chapter is about directors' dilemmas. Let me see if I can if I can go to the very first question of those. And by the way, there is a case study in all of them. And, and the case study, the first one is is uh, is Shell. Um, the first question of the 10 key questions are, how often does your board discuss different scenarios that may impact the business in the future? Mm. The next, how often do you discuss whether management has the necessary expertise and resources to respond to a disruptive environment? And three, how do you know if your corporate culture encourages sustainability and the overall purpose you have set for the company? Does your board's behavior reflect the behavior expected throughout the company? Mm, so, so and, and that's kind of like in terms of the dilemmas. And then there's a chapter on, on ESG and climate and human rights and, and cybersecurity, et cetera, as I said before. So, so that's kind of where we can reflect. And to me, it's not saying, okay, we have silos. It's having that integrated mindset where we can look at things from different angles. If there was a playbook saying, okay, this is what you need to do, then we don't need us as board members. Yes, we yes. are there to ask the questions, to come with our different perspectives. And I think that's diversity, equity, and inclusion, by the way, is another chapter. You know, We need to make sure that we have that diverse mindset around the boardroom table, that we can disagree but then at the same time comes to a consensus on like, okay, what are we going to do? That's what we are there for, right? We are there to make those difficult decisions. You know, here, here on your diversity and inclusion point, listeners of Take On Board will know that I'm always, I think in the nicest possible way, banging on about how diverse groups make better decisions and they make better decisions when there is inclusion in those groups as well. You know, the evidence on that is just so incredibly clear and diversity in all its shapes and forms. You know, in years gone by, you're an accountant as well, and years gone by, people, oh, we need an accountant on the board. We need somebody who can look at the finances and understand the finances. Yet we all know that, inverted commas, the accountant on the board isn't the only person that needs to understand the finances. We all have our responsibilities around understanding it, even if we're not an accountant. And even if we know nothing about numbers, we are all responsible. I feel like ESG is the same. You can't just get your, inverted commas, ESG person on the board. Oh, Bob's the ESG person. What do you say, Bob? Oh, Bob says it's okay. All right, well, let's charge ahead. It's something that all board directors need to be able to turn their mind to. Some of the principles, some of the questions, you know, as you said earlier, the values, the mindset, the strategy around it, even if it's never crossed their mind at all. I totally agree. And, and I'm hoping that the book can give people kind of that views and and inside and, and and hopefully a bit of foresight as well. But I think you're touching on something that's very important. And that is, should we have an expert on everything? That's not what we're looking for, right? We are looking for board of directors. We're looking for directors that can ask questions, but are so informed. I mean, we have a duty of care to be informed, but we can see at the moment that uh, we have ESG popping up in the, the charters, we have special committees. I think the special committees are good to kind of like really dig deep and, and because we don't have as much time as we would like 
around the boardroom table, all of us. So to have a committee that can take that. But that does not mean that we should not in the you know, audit committee. We need to make sure, can we actually sign off on this data, being that climate, being that ESG data? Can we trust the data? Do we know what we are measuring? Do we know how we are measuring? What, what does good look like? Are we putting you know, nice targets out there and are greenwashing or, or green wishing? We need to have that we in governance committee are discussing. We need to make sure is this tied into the incentives? Yes. We need to make sure that we have when we're nominating new board of directors, what are the questions we, we are asking there? So we have that. And if you ask me, I believe, yes, we should all not be experts but we all need to have the insight because this is the most strategic, I'm not saying ESG as such, but I'm saying all of these different dilemmas that are, are, are touching the, the board agenda at the moment and touching the, the companies. I, I say from time to time, when, when I took my exam as state authorized public accountant, there was a question about how much can you deduct and bribe? And you could. I mean, oh my goodness. I'm not that old, okay? But in 97, you could deduct 10% in bribe. Oh my goodness, that is incredible. When did it change or has it changed? That was the time where it started to really change. And, and so I think what I'm trying to say with that, and yeah. you may be also able to remember when we could smoke in the airplanes. Yeah. I mean, only in the and- back, but you know. You're not going to be judged on what it was at that point. You're not going to be judged on what is it that we think is the right thing to do today. Mm-hmm. We are going to be judged on what do we, what do the people think tomorrow in, in the future would be the right thing. And that's why I keep saying, let's listen also to the, the younger generation, because they're the ones who are going to judge us. Yes. They are judging us, right? <laughs> well, and they should. They should judge us on our performance. They're the ones that will have to, unfortunately, pick up the mess of our lack of performance in a whole range of areas. Yeah, they should be doing, they should be judging us and they should be involved and we should be listening. And, and I think we are. All mm. the boards have the pleasure of uh, engaging with, they are listening, right? And, mm. and they are also seeing the benefits of, of listening. They're seeing the benefits of understanding all of these different aspects and be able to be proactive instead of reactive. I think we all know how awful it is if suddenly we see all of these things coming at us and we have to react. Why not be proactive and say, okay, what could come at us? How will we act if this happens? How can we listen to our stakeholders? What is it that they expect? How can we communicate to them in a way where they will say, okay, I might not agree, but at least now I understand. And to follow the law, even as I am a business lawyer, nowadays is not enough. Absolutely. I think that if boards, organisations, whoever, groups of people making decisions are proactive and have foresight and make the wrong decision, they probably won't be judged as harshly as those who avoid the decision. It's better to make the wrong future-focused decision than to make no future-focused decision in some ways. That's totally true. I mean, that's the duty, right? And you can see, I don't know, in terms of from Australia, but I know other places around the world where it is that the courts 
are looking to see, did you ensure that you had an effective system in place? Did you discuss these issues? And yes, I mean, duty of care, that is that we are discussing it. It's not necessarily that we know what's going to happen in the future. I wish we all knew, but at least that we have done our homework. We've asked the question. We have ensured that we actually can provide the oversight that we're responsible for. Oh, these conversations always go too quickly. I'm wondering, what are the key things you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? It's a good question. I guess understand, as I said, the ABC of ESG and, and climate, be curious, um, but also be serious. And, mm. and, and I think one of the principles I, I talk about in the book, actually Indigenous, the seven generation principle, that whatever action you take today, will that keep the planet, the land, water, air, where we live sustainable seven generations from now. And I, I know, I, please do read the whole book, right? Mm. But, but I, think, I think that that principle can actually uh, get us a long way. And the other thing is that, that listen, and I really believe that uh, the time where we could say, oh yeah, well, they don't understand and we don't need to listen to, to, to stakeholders. Uh, you know, look at the asset managers. We have a proxy season coming up. Um, mm -hmm. And if you look at what it is that the Black Rocks, the State Streets, the Vivas, the, you know, you name them, they are all asking, do board of directors have climate expertise, ESG expertise, or if not expertise to actually oversee this? And I think we are in a situation now where it's not enough to just have a committee. We need to actually have in the annual report, in the governance report that we say, yes, we have X number of board members of hopefully the full board that have gone through some formal training. An hour, sorry, is not enough. Yes, that's self-serving. I would say go through, you know, something like the, the global ESG uh, competent boards uh, certificate or, or, or designation program, as well as the climate program. That probably answers at least part of my next question. Is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? I don't know, maybe a book or a program that you might be able to suggest for us? Well, the book, um, yes, I, of course, my, my own book. I, I, can, I can come with a long list. Mervyn King, um, that's also part of uh, our faculty, uh, has a new book out as well. And so as does Paul Pullman and Andrew Winston, who are also part of the faculty. But if I am self-serving here, The Stewards of the Future, a guide for competent boards, so my, my own book that got to be an Amazon bestseller within the corporate governance category i would of course like to mention and and yes we have i've had this today i had actually a person from australia uh, in our global eht competent uh, board designation program we also have the certificate program but the designation program and we have almost in all of them we have you know a few people from australia uh learning from all of these people from around the world i'm, I'm joking from time to time and saying we have all continents except from Antarctica. But I guess that's... I will make sure I put a link to both of those things in the show notes to the program and all programs. So thank you. Thank you for taking the time to share 
your incredible wisdom with the Take On Board community today. There is so much in there for us to think about and I really appreciate you taking that time to be with us today. Well, thank you very, very much for having me and thank you for that decision. I can tell you I have the, the Martin Wolf from Financial Times to a lot of other global leaders that have praised the book. So I hope that you will like it as well. <laughs> I have no doubt it will be of use. So uh, I'll let so you know when it comes for the Take On Board <laughs> podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and being part of the Take On Board community. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So I invite you to join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, an active group that helps, supports and cheer squads each other. Just search Take On Board in Facebook to find us. I'd really love it if you could also do some of the other podcast things. Share with someone you know who might get some value from our discussions. Subscribe if you haven't already. And... Well, I also really love it when people rate and review. Thanks again for being part of the Take On Board community. Now go and put these tips, tricks and advice into action so you can be your best in the boardroom.